1: Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
2: It's been a fascinating season for the Boston Bruins. They bid farewell to their captain, Sidney O'Chara, as one of the more popular players in Tori Krug. They were displaced and dropped into one of the more competitive divisions in hockey, and they made the single biggest splash at the trade deadline. It's all added up to a less than dominant season, at least from what we've grown accustomed to. But that doesn't mean the Boston Bruins are any less of a Stanley Cup favorite, at least in my eyes. To discuss that and more, today's guest on the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast is Matt Porter of the Boston Globe, who just got off his foldable bike in downtown Pittsburgh. Matt, what's going on, man?
3: It's, uh, I'm feeling refreshed. <laughs> um, unlike pretty much every hockey player at this time of year, who I, I can't imagine what it's like for them, you know, having to go through this kind of season. But I'm getting outside. I'm enjoying the uh, the city. I guess.
2: Well, you're getting outside, and that's better than what we can do here in Canada. So uh, enjoy enjoy those little things because uh, we're still fighting through it a little bit. It'll come. It'll we're. Come. <laughs> We're breaking rules to go outside at this point. So, but it'll come and we'll all be better for it. So, I want to get to all things Boston Bruins with you. But first, I do feel like I should pick your brain on the big news in the NHL south of the border this week, which is the NHL finalizing its U.S. National Broadcasting Rights Partnership package, adding TNT as the B package to ESPN. So, as a U.S. based hockey fan and obviously media member who has experienced 16 years of the NHL and NBC, who understands, you know, what ESPN and TNT provide and who knows the important you know, uh, the importantness of, uh, uh, these deals and the health of the league and, and everything that goes with, you know, signing these major deals, what's your take on all and how all this is shook down?
3: Yeah, I think obviously change can be, can be great. Uh, and I, I think in the, in the case of NHL, you know, broadcasting, you know, we've seen, I don't want to say that NBC's done a bad job because, you know, once you, once you you know what goes into this kind of stuff and how hard it is to, to put it on and, and, you know, please everybody, you'll never be able to do that. But for me, the product was getting stale. I, I think that, you know, NBC's coverage was often very serious and, you know, very just kind of, I'll say at times dour. I mean, really, it's, it's, they didn't have a lot of fun. They tried to do the, the, the fun thing with Jeremy Roenick, you know, let's bring on a, a loose cannon and you know, get him to, uh, you know, to go try barbecue at the Carolina games and stuff like that. But I don't know. It just, it, it never really hit home for me. I was never like excited to watch, a, you know, an NBC game. And, you know, the the intermissions were very skippable for me. And, right. you know, it, it, but as far as TNT goes, they have a chance now to, to bring, I think, some energy and some fun. I mean, we see what they've done with Inside the NBA. For my money, one of the best studio shows in sports. It, it's just, it's fun. It's freewheeling. They don't take themselves too seriously. Obviously they have the talent and, you know, Charles Barkley, um, who plays off, you know, hit, hit the guys on that panel so well, but you know, the, I, I think now it's, it's almost asking too much for, for TNT to come in and say, all right, well, you know, we're going to give you the Charles Barkley of hockey. Maybe it's even Charles Barkley. <laughs> maybe, right. maybe, you know, he's, he's a, a noted, uh, hockey appreciator. Um, you know, maybe he'll uh, want to work a couple extra days a week and get on the NHL coverage, but it, it's, I, I think it's a great opportunity for TNT. I'm excited for it. And I, I hope that they, you know, kind of follow their own, uh, their own path and, and do what they've been doing for the NBA. And I think it can only be good for, for, uh, the NHL, which obviously has a, a shot in the arm now at the ESPN deal too, with the kind of, you know, um, you know, wide reach and, and, um, conversation-driving coverage that ESPN is known to provide.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the most encouraging thing is we know exactly how ESPN treats its products. Everything gets the ESPN treatment when it's on ESPN, and obviously this is one of the four major sports. It's not going to be neglected, and we know that TNT can put on shows that are sim- simply unmatched in the in the space that they are. Uh, but do you worry at all about them getting the same treatment? Uh, like, are we going to see an inside the NBA for the NHL, or is it just going to be, uh, you know – a lesser than even though they are on those big channels uh, now just along with the NBA and other sports as well.
3: Well, you would hope that, you know, they would make the most of their investment. And obviously, I know that's, you know, in in these times, that's not always possible. You know, there are only so many dollars to go around and I don't don't know exactly the the state of Turner's business or or even uh, Disney's for that matter. But, um, you know, when you say the four major sports. You know, hockey wasn't one of the four major sports, according to ESPN, over the last 15 years. If you looked at their website, you know, hockey was was really, you know, even just visit from a visibility standpoint, if you look at the drop-down menu on ESPN's website back then, not now, you'd have to go down below motorsports, college sports, um, you know, a a ton of other things, um, you know, international soccer and um, a ton of other kind of sports that are considered in the States to be you know, second or third rate, to even find mm-hmm. the NHL. And on SportsCenter, unless Connor McDavid did something ridiculous or there was some kind of knockout punch fight, you know, you're not going to see NHL highlights until way deep in the, in the show. So you'd hope that they would be able to do that. And I'm talking about ESPN and TNT. Um, you know, they've committed to televising the Stanley Cup finals. And, and it seems like they're all in. So hopefully, that's a, a plus for hockey fans.
2: Uh, you mentioned Charles Barkley. Uh, I think everyone would like to see him involved in a small way, just because it's Charles Barkley, and that'll obviously be entertaining. But are there any other personalities, maybe some that have been idle, some who have been at ESPN since ESPN last had hockey that you're looking forward to see back in a prominent role, whether it's on ESPN or TNT? Well,
3: it's been so long for for ESPN. I I, I just want to see him do a good job. Like I'm not really sure that I'm I'm rooting for anybody in particular to get some more shine. Um, you know, I'm sure that, you know, they've had a ton of resumes <laughs> going, going yeah. into their offices uh, over the past few few months or, or weeks or whatever it's been. Um, you know, Gary Thorne, he was a great voice for, for hockey uh, when he was ESPN's lead anchor. I mean, the, you know, you think of the calls, you know, Raymond Bork, you know, things like that, mm-hmm. um, you know, that he made when, when he was, uh, you know, the voice. Uh, I'd love to hear him do a few, few games. I know he's in his uh, early 70s now uh so i'm not sure what he he wants to do um but just kind of kind of finding that undiscovered talent i think it's it's the it's a chance for for tnt and espn to discover some new voices bring new elements to the coverage you know we don't we don't see the analytics uh involved at all really down here you know we don't see kind of young fresh smart voices um Uh, involved as much you know it's it's a lot of ex-players and guys like Pierre Maguire who I I I don't know he if he has too many fans in in the U.S. you know he just really got stale Um, obviously Mike Milbury is no longer a part of their coverage now so it's a it's a real opportunity and and I hope that they I hope that they try to find some fresh fun faces to involve in their coverage
2: yeah, I mean, I'm totally with you. I think my only concern from that end is that it's going to have to happen pretty quickly. It's going to have to be done in haste because both these companies, I guess TNT, it seems they only you know, realized they were interested within the last few months, it seems, and they're going to have to rush to put things together uh, because as much as this is a condensed schedule, it's also a schedule that's running a little bit late, and next season is going to be starting uh, before we know it. The other big news from this week with a big talking point, I guess it was last week, was Robin Leonard's comments about... Uh, taking the vaccine and competitive edge. You've been vaccinated, you you showed that on Twitter, so I hope I'm not uh, uh, talking at a school, but the Bruins, I believe, are partially vaccinated. I think most US-based teams are getting to the point where they're vaccinated or getting uh, partially vaccinated. So I just wonder, from the start of the season till now, how the situation has changed for you, how the situation has changed for the Bruins, how the situation has changed for your colleagues since the start of the season. Are you experiencing any of the frustration that Leonard's experiencing in terms of you know you, you think you're operating in a safer space, but uh, you're still you know having to play by the rules here.
3: Yeah, I would say you know getting the second shot and uh, it was was just a almost an emotional experience, right I mean it, just to, to have the last year um, you know go the way it's gone and to be spent to have spent so much time indoors looking at the same four walls um, was just really tough. and then the anxiety of, of traveling, you know, while I wasn't uh, vaccinated, was was extremely tough too. Um, you know, I was on the on the road uh, for the Bruins' uh, first road trip uh, when they went to Jersey and, and Long Island, and I hadn't obviously had a shot yet; didn't qualify, and that was tough. I mean, that was I, I drove down and didn't fly uh, from Boston to to uh, New York, New Jersey area, and was just you know, every time you you're in the hotel, you know, you're kind of looking left and right and who's around me and um you know there's a lot of anxiety there and to have that you know not totally go away but but certainly um you know dissipate almost mm. entirely maybe that's overstating it it's it's definitely been a weight lifted. that i'll say that um even just being here uh you know it's uh two weeks and two days now after my second shot in pittsburgh so i'm feeling pretty good um you know been able to get out walk around go to you know go to a restaurant and sit down I mean, just the, that kind of freedom has been really, you know, really unbelievable. <laughs> I never mm-hmm. thought that I'd, you know, want to sit and have some Thai food so much. Um, <laughs> but I'm not playing by the same rules as the NHL players are, right? I mean, they, right. even when they do get vaccinated, until the league tells them otherwise, they're expected to, you know, to, to stay tight and stay in their hotels and, um, you know, their socially distance uh, meeting rooms and all that because, you You know what's what's more important than uh making sure the games are played right and if you're the league um so i I think you know that speaks to what robin leonard was uh, was so upset about which is you know we're we're humans you know he he was saying we need some you know some freedom and if we've been vaccinated why can't we go out and walk around and um you know i i feel his pain you know i I understand where he's coming from it's got to be super tough and you know, to say nothing of of the the mental health issues that he's gone through um, and probably continues to go through, um, you know, in, in his life and in his career, he's certainly, I would imagine, not alone across the NHL. Um, you know, with with kind of um, the stress and strain that that can put on a, on a player uh, as as they try to you know be at their best every single night and, and feel that kind of pressure. So, his comments were, you know, they were tough to hear because. You know, it, there, there has to be, for, for some players, I would imagine, a, you know, if not a lot of them, that feeling that, you know, yeah, we're highly compensated. Yeah, we have great lives. Yeah, we have a lot of advantages and privileges that a lot of that other people don't. But, you know, we're still human beings. And, and you know, we feel and, and there was a little bit, you know, we feel that we should be given some freedom. And I know there was some reporting after his comments, uh, you know, some, some people in the NHL offices said that you know well that's not exactly what um you know we communicated that you know you get your shot and you'd be free um so however that communication process broke down is another issue but i certainly understand where leonard's coming from
2: yeah i mean i think he made some good points and he made some points that missed the mark uh, obviously but uh you know i just my stance on of it is if, if you've got to the point where you can operate in a safe space you should be allowed to do so because the expectation of us all getting to the finish line together just isn't, it's just not going to happen. It's just not the way this right. is all going to work. So uh, for players to, you know, feel better, if to feel more like themselves to perform at their very best, I think you have to get, you have to give them what they're allowed. And obviously you're allowed to sit down and eat Thai food now. And I'm sure you actually had some Thai food in Edmonton. So the last thing before we get to the Bruins, I want to talk to you about your experience in Edmonton uh, because that was one of the more unique hockey ex- reporting experiences from the COVID-19 era. Uh, you traveled there. I guess it was in late July, uh, with the intention of being there fully quarantined. If the Boston Bruins made it to the Eastern Conference Final, uh, they did not. But uh, you still had that experience anyway. So, could you share the Cole's notes there and maybe what you learned about life while holed up in a Edmonton hotel?
3: <laughs> yeah, I went. To, I went to cover a hockey team, and they never showed up. Basically, <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, you got the details right. I, I went to I went to Edmonton in in July, expecting to. Meet the Bruins. They they were looking pretty good. Um, maybe 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 expecting is a little bit too strong of a word. I, I was anticipating they might be there. Uh, what did I learn? I learned that I can handle myself uh, being in a in a hotel room for eight days. Uh, it was just man. It, it was it was wild. I I'm in a really nice hotel and. I'm looking at this beautiful view. I mean, Edmonton. I'd never been there in the summer. I'd only been there when it's, you know, in February when it's mm-hmm. when it's like so cold, cold it'll melt your face off. And so I was so excited about that chance to to do the quarantine and at least be able to get outside. Um, I did not make it. Um, it was nine days actually, not eight days. But yeah, I mean, just just got to experience some good restaurants. I know that. Um, you know, got to have some great Indian food. Uh, you know, got to um, try some of the the different uh, delivery options. Got to know Skip the Dishes pretty well. Um, you know, shout out Skip the Dishes. Um, but you know, the staff was great. They they actually um, they they treated me kind of carefully. I, I think the you know we're seeing you know now obviously the situation in Canada is, is, is a lot different than it was then. And back then, you know, Albertans were very proud of, of, you know, how low seemingly very proud of, Mm -hmm. of how low uh, their, their case numbers were. Um, So I was treated, I, I just, maybe it was my own feeling and, and, you know, my own personal kind of uh, you know, feeling on it. But I, I had this kind of sense that I was looked at as kind of the American, you know, that, that might be a risk, you know, coming into the hotel and, um, you know, even in the airport, um, though I did have a pretty fun uh, interaction with a Leafs fan who said that, you know, he wasn't sure if he could clear me because I was from Boston um, mm-hmm. in at Toronto Customs. But um, this, the hotel staff uh, in Edmonton, uh, they were great. You know, they brought me some dumbbells uh, every day actually on a, on a luggage cart. And so I could do workouts in the hotel room and then took them away. And, uh, you know, I did my part. I sanitized them with some wipes and stuff. But it's just funny to think back on all that stuff, you know, and just every single day waking up, looking outside and thinking, you know, I hope I can get out there and, you know, see whatever the city has to offer. But then all of a sudden I blinked my eyes and I was home. So it's, uh, I did write about it for the Globe, got some, uh, some copy out of it. So that was a, at least a, a nice little, uh, you know, cherry on top.
2: And a few meals. Uh, did you ever make it to the rink?
3: No, did not. No. Didn't go anywhere so, besides the hotel room. Wow.
2: That's, uh, that's quite the story. And one you'll be telling for a long time. Uh, I, I, do, I like the way you started that with the Bruins. The expectation is that the Bruins would be there. And I think that says something about the Bruins, that you can send a reporter as an outlet to somewhere where the Bruins might go if they reach their potential. Not too many teams would be sending uh, their reporters just based on that. But again, that's sort of the high bar that the Bruins have set in the last few years. So let's get into the Bruins. I'll start with a broad stroke. I mean, we're into the last month of what would be a normal regular season here. Last month or a few weeks of this season, how do the prospects of winning a Stanley Cup compare this season to they to the you know handful of previous seasons where they've been near the top of the league? Uh, And are the Bruins uh, where would the Bruins figure they are themselves? I guess in the hierarchy in terms of elite teams and, and Stanley Cup contenders.
3: I would say the expectation is the same the chances are probably the same, but the makeup is different. Like they've, this is a team that's been built. It's, it's the makeup isn't totally different. Right. I mean, even though, you know, at the top of the show, you, know, you mentioned Tory Krug, Zenochari, they're gone. Um, so there are some new faces obviously, but this is a team that has really relied on its top line, its power play, its defense and its goaltending. And then, if they make a deep run in the playoffs, it's probably because they got secondary scoring. They had their, their second, third, and fourth lines going and, and contributing. And this year, they seem, with the addition of Taylor Hall and and Mike Riley in the back end, they seem to have figured out the secondary scoring thing, you know, getting offense, um, you know, from players outside of Brad Marchand, who's having an incredible season, Patrice Bergeron, and David Pastrnak who really hasn't been himself, coming off, I, I think, coming off of last year's hip surgery i think that's kind of the issue for him doesn't have the same jump um and i think he's really struggled um that being said who knows what's going on with players this year with the covid i mean it's not like i mean normally you could this is an aside but normally you could just pull a guy you know aside in the locker room and have a conversation with him you can't even do that these days so it's really hard to tell like what's going on uh with some of these guys but it's it's a team now that that They've got the secondary scoring. The top line's still doing really well, despite Pasternak kind of regressing. Uh, but the third and the third and fourth lines haven't really been there. They haven't really brought anything. Um, Jake DeBrusk, as we record this, uh, is going to be a healthy scratch tonight in Pittsburgh for the second time in a little while. Charlie Coyle was on the brink. It was it was either Charlie Coyle or Jake DeBrusk was going to sit tonight. Coyle's is a guy that they signed. He's in the first year. A six year extension worth 5.25 million a year. And he's counted on to be the, the driver of the third line. He has not been that this year. He's got 15 points in 46 games and, you know, hasn't really looked good. It's not, you know, necessarily about numbers all the time and goals and assists, but, you know, he hasn't been the physical, you know, play driving puck possession guy that he, they signed him to be. Um, and, you know probably overpaid a little bit thinking that maybe he can play up in the lineup well he hasn't even been able to hold really the third line down um sean corrali chris wagner you know they haven't been themselves this year that's been an issue uh curtis lazar you know they brought him in from buffalo and taylor hall deal to try to you know get a little bit of a spark he's been good um but you know he's not exactly a difference maker so when you couple that with the fact that tuca rask missed most of a month and they've been missing Brandon Carlo for going on six weeks now. Um, Matt grizzlick has been out of the lineup. They've had their issues. And, you know, they're, th- that spells a fourth-place team. If you have everybody healthy and going, I mean, this is one of the best teams in the league. I don't think it's quite Colorado or Vegas level. But if everybody's going and they're playing the way that they can play, they're up there. And, you know, in a, in a, in a top-heavy East division, they haven't really – been able to find their way to the top yet. If Rask gets going and gets healthy, then, you know, that's a great thing for him. He still has to find his game though. You know, he hasn't really played very much recently. They've been lucky that Jeremy Swayman's come in and done the job that he's done in net. So all of this is a way to say that they're like a lot of teams. They have issues. Um, They're capable of of putting together a run here, but I wouldn't, you know, if you're betting on them to, to win the Stanley Cup, you know, you might be getting pretty good odds at this point.
2: Yeah, I think you would, and I think that might be worth a shot. To be honest, um, but uh, you mentioned the top line. Obviously, the 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 Boston Bruins are going to go as that top line goes. Uh, and you mentioned David Pasternak not, not quite having the 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 year that maybe he was supposed to, or just feeling the effects from offseason surgery. Um, but but if you were if you were going to think about that line or chart out the path for them, you'd think if any one member of that line was going to drop in terms of performance, it might be Patrice Bergeron, just because. He's getting up there in age, but aside from Pasternak or, or you know, taking into account that Pasternak's maybe dealing with some lingering effects of uh, uh, his surgery, is the perfection line still at the height of its powers uh, when looking at Bergeron and Marchand in particular?
3: No, I, I don't think it's been as good as last year, um, but it's still very dangerous, obviously, because of the talent of all those guys. And for me, Brad Marchand is having maybe his best season. And, you know, this is a guy who was an 100-point guy a few years ago. Um, he's been great. I mean, just – just has put the team on his back several nights. And and situational stuff, power plays, shorthand goals, uh, when they need it, you know, he's there. Um, he's been outstanding. And, you know, I, I think he, he and Bergeron are probably just hoping that Pasternak comes around. Um, it's been such a weird year for Pasternak. He, he just – he looked great when he came back after missing a few games to start the year. And, you know, he scored, uh, was it five goals in two games? And then he went like completely dark for, for several weeks, found it a little bit, but over the last two, two and a half months, all we've really seen from him is, you know, they feed him a one-timer and he he whiffs on it, or he loses the puck at the the blue line, or just kind of chips it in when you just expect him to rush it. So, I know he's on himself. I think he's going to look back after this year and just say, you know, either you kind of find that either the hip was bother, bothering him or maybe it's the type of thing where he spent all offseason recovering from the hip surgery. So he couldn't really make those deposits uh, in his conditioning bank, so to speak, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the offseason couldn't really get himself built up to the point where he can really go, you know, and be a, a 10 out of 10 guy, you know, for, for the 56 game sprint and the playoffs.
2: So you mentioned the forward group being, uh, you know, some additions, making them a little bit more deeper. And from an outsider's perspective, I mean, this is the deepest forward group I've seen for the Boston Bruins in quite a few years. Uh, and I think that comes to two major additions, which would be Craig Smith in the off season and Taylor Hall before the deadline, bearing the lead perhaps a little bit, but I want to start with Smith. What's he brought to the team that maybe this team was missing
3: before? Yeah. Did they get Taylor Hall? I hadn't, I hadn't heard that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's uh, Smith. Smith has been as advertised. I I'm, I'm surprised a little bit to see that he's found a home on the second line. I, I kind of pegged him more as like a third line guy. And, but you know, a third line guy that could crush matchups really. I mean, you know, they, that I could play with maybe Jake DeBrasco or Nick Ritchie and Charlie Coyle and be like just a really solid, um, you know, third line that, that buzzes and gets chances and possesses the puck. wears the other team down? Um, Smith's got some talent. You know, he, he shoots the puck a ton. Uh, it, no change there did it in Nashville for nine years and you know he's not a 30 goal guy but you know he's gonna take his uh, as a volume shooter um, you know he'll he'll take his 20 to 25 each season you know over 82 games he's on pace for that this year so he's fit well he's been kind of the you know the the f1 four checker on the creche line get in there first um, but you know it Krejci and, and Hall kind of play the east-west a little more he plays the north-south I like what he's brought he, he, for a team that that in the bottom six, especially lacks consistency and, and a consistent kind of energetic um, style each night. He's brought that. He, he's been that presence. Um, and when I say that, I'm thinking of guys like DeBrusque, who he's known has gone from second to you know, third line, sometimes healthy scratched. Um, you know, if he played a little more like Craig Smith, the Bruins would be in much better shape. Uh, but uh, I know you want to ask me about Taylor Hall and and um, uh, I can certainly talk about Taylor Hall the way he's been playing.
2: Well, predictably, the Taylor Hall deal put uh, fans in Toronto into a bit of a tizzy because it seems like they got him for pennies on the dollar. Uh, so how did the Bruins find themselves in a position to grab a former MVP out of the bargain bin? And what have your been impressions of him? And does anything surprise you about what he's brought through the first few weeks of his uh, tenure in Boston?
3: Yeah, this was you know, it was a big talking point when it happened, which, which is, you know, why, how were they able to get this guy? And, you know what, from what Taylor Hall said, he wanted to be in Boston. He thought about signing there. He's like the, the, the Bruins organization is like the city going back to his draft year in 2010, when it was Taylor versus Tyler, you know, with, uh, Tyler Sagan. Um, he would have been overjoyed to go to Boston. Uh, if the Bruins, you know, wound up, um, you know, getting him at number two rather than Sagan and the Oilers taking all first overall. So Boston's always been on his mind. They couldn't make the numbers work last summer. And, you know, he signed that kind of one-year deal in, in Buffalo. Um, you know, my understanding and, and as it's been reported as well is, you know, kind of he felt his options were, you know, Buffalo and I have to kind of, you know, take what I can get here. Um, the no movement clause is, is really what helped him know get to Boston he wasn't going to wave it for just anybody and the Islanders taking Kyle Palmieri um and kind of you know sending their first round pick um you know out of town that kind of really limited Buffalo's options and I think Hall would have been okay going to to the Island but uh with Palmieri going there they weren't probably weren't going to also you know take a swing at Hall so that left the door open for Don Sweeney and the Bruins to say you know you wanted it come get it um it's looking at how he's played. I mean, this is one of the best deadline deals I've ever seen really, you know, for what they were able to get. And Curtis Lazar, who's a really effective player almost as a throw in seemingly um, what Taylor Hall has brought to the table. has been the Taylor, not the Taylor Hall we saw in New Jersey, not that dynamic, not that, you know, uh, much of a game changer, but Taylor Hall of, of 2020, 2021, is still a really effective forward and, and a legitimate top six guy, you know, a guy that can rush the puck, um, you know, a guy that can, can attack off the wing, make plays, uh, really make it easier for the Bruins. And we talked about that rebuilding defense. You know, you're looking at a guy that can take the puck out of the zone as a one-man breakout, and they've needed that all year long. Uh, with, you know, some of the guys that they've been throwing in there, they've used 13 defensemen, and several of them are not NHL caliber. So when you put Taylor Hall on the roster, he's going to make their jobs a little bit easier. You know, he, he hasn't uh, like I said, he's he's not the MVP guy anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe he levels up a little bit towards that uh, as he gets more comfortable here, and and he doesn't have to be the guy. That's one of the things that he talked about in his uh, press conference when he uh, first zoomed with us uh, when he you know after the trade is that he he's not comfortable being you know. The face of the franchise anymore. He's, he, it was, it was really a, an introspective, candid, um, you know, session with him. He was saying that, you know, I, I'm not this guy. I've always been this guy. And um, that's not to say, I don't believe in myself, but my confidence, you know, is a little bit low right now. And I'd like to be kind of just one of the guys in Boston with, with Bergeron Marchand, Pasternak, even David Krejci, you know, his centerman who's well-established in the league. Um, you know, he can be, he can just be one of the guys. Um, so he's been outstanding. And, and, and one of the things that's really surprised me about him is his defense. You know, he's a, I don't want to say he's, you know, on Bergeron's level the a 200 foot uh, forward in the NHL. He certainly isn't, but, um, he backchecks, you know, using all of his uh, speed and he still has considerable speed. Um, you know, even maybe he doesn't have quite the top gear that he did in Jersey, um, in that MVP year, but, you know, he saved a goal, Actually saved two goals the other night uh, in the game against the Penguins. One of them just by you know coming from about 15 feet um, behind Teddy Bluger in the Bruins zone, catching him. A little bit of a stick push from Craig Smith, kind of at the end. You know, gave him one of those. Um, You always love to see that. Mm -hmm. Um, But he caught him and he broke up a two-on-one. And he also saved an empty net goal too. It was a you know 1-0 game. Um, Taylor Hall shut that down in the final seconds too. So. Uh, I've been really impressed. I didn't know he was this complete of a player and I didn't know he had this much left. And, you know, obviously it makes you wonder what's the future with Taylor Hall in Boston, you know, see, does, does he want to stick around here? Well, probably what are the numbers going to look like? Um, and can they get that done uh, after the expansion draft?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's my next ter- next question. I mean, it's a short-term play by nature, but it sounds like it could be a long-term play as well because you know, they acquired him on the cheap and now the opportunity might be there, I guess, to keep him on the cheap. If this is uh, exactly where he wants to be, no?
3: Maybe. Yeah. Um, they, they have some money coming off the books. Um, that doesn't mean it's going to be gone entirely. Uh, Tuka Rask's uh, contract is expiring. David Krejci's contract is expiring. Uh, Krejci's at $7.25 million. Rask's at $7 million um, in, in cap dollars. And those are the two highest contracts on the team. Um you know, if uh, Bergeron, Marchand, and or Pasternak were coming up this year, I'd say, you know, probably uh, Paul might be squeezed out a little bit, but really what they have to worry about is, is Pasternak coming up in 2023 and uh, McAvoy's up after this coming season. So in two years, I believe. Um, so Brandon Carlo, who's been hurt all year, he, he's coming up. Nick Ritchie's an RFA. He might go to Seattle. So you see uh, opportunities here, um, you know, for Taylor Hall, uh, you know, is it a three years at 5 million? Is that, you know, reasonable? Just, just back of, you know, napkin uh, um, scratching it out here. I don't know. Um, you know, I don't think he's after the year he had in Buffalo. Um, is he an $8 million guy? I'm not sure. I don't think so. Um, but you know, six million, seven million. I don't know. It's going to be really interesting. I, I I don't know if they've started to talk. Um, I wouldn't expect, obviously, anything to get done after the expansion draft. They're not going to sign anybody until you know they have to. Uh, but certainly all signs right now point to a, uh, a player and a team that are very happy with each other.
2: Well, I think he did Don Sweeney some favors by saying that he didn't want to be the guy anymore. He didn't want the pressure of being the guy because if you want to fit into the Boston Bruins – financial hierarchy you probably have to take less money than Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron and David Basternak I suppose that just makes all the sense in the world uh but if there is a weakness on this team on paper at least it would seem that it would be their defensive core um but now that they have Mike Riley should be maybe be a little bit more confident with this group. Uh, I think that was uh, one of the most important deadline acquisition, acquisitions that seems to be going under the radar a little bit. So has he stabilized things maybe the way uh, the, the early returns have, uh, have indicated?
3: Yeah. through eight games uh, and he's been really good. He's been just what they've needed. They, you know, the Bruins were in the Matias Ekholm business before Nashville went on its run. And, you know, obviously Ekholm 200 foot player left shot, you know, can can kill penalties, can fit in on the power play if you need him to, um, can make a breakout pass. I mean, those are that's exactly what they've needed all year, uh, with you know the 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 loss of Tori Krug, um, who did so much for their, for them offensively and in their transition game, um, and they also needed a you know kind of a a guy playing a little bit more, uh, defending a little bit harder, I should say, as a left stick with the loss of Chara. Not that Chara was you know, the Chara of old, but that's still 20 minutes, 20 hard minutes that that uh, they weren't getting, um, you know, with the loss of Chara, and then they weren't getting from the guys that they put in there, uh, you know, like a Jeremy Lausanne who struggled, um, you know, like a Jack, like a Jakob Zaboral who's, you know, not really quite that guy. He's, you know, kind of a two-way guy, but he's a little bit more of an offensive guy. And, uh, you know, they haven't really seen anything from Erho Wakanainen. Um, those are their three left left shot prospects that they were hoping to, you know, give a chance to this year. Um, you know, by letting Chara go, you know, we got to see what these kids have. You know, they're third year, fourth year, fifth year pros. Um, you know, they're getting not getting old, but you know, it, it's time to see what you got. Um, you know, uh, fisher cut bait type stuff. So, mm-hmm. I don't know what they have <laughs> with those guys, and that's one of the reasons why they they brought in Mike Riley. Um, you know, for a third round pick, a great move. And, uh, you know, uh, another expiring contract too. So you're not at risk of losing him to Seattle. Um, You know, does he want to stick around? Has he priced himself out of Boston? I don't know, but uh, he's, he's been everything they've needed. And really what the exciting thing is for the Bruins is, you know, and when you talk about the the decor kind of being lesser than this year, a lot of that is injuries. Um, You know, they, they would, have felt pretty good if they had Brandon Carlo, Kevin Miller, Matt Grizzlick healthy all year long. They have not, as we mentioned, they haven't had Carlo who's, a, you know, had been a shutdown presence for them, especially two years ago, kind of wasn't outstanding last year, but um, you know, in, his, in a contract year, I would, I would expect him if healthy to, you know, be the presence that he has been, um, they've missed him. And uh, you know, if you get him back, You know, and Kevin Miller with his knee trouble, you know, he's resting after every single game, taking maintenance days, missing days. Uh, He also had a foot infection. (laughs) You know, this guy can't catch a break. Um, You know, you remember a couple of years ago, he broke his kneecap and then broke it again as he was coming back. Um, Hmm. But as a physical defenseman, you know, they've needed him and uh, have not had him. So if you get all those guys back, Mike Riley, you know, becomes a third pair guy and to have a, a guy like that on your third pair, well, you're liking that. Um, or, you know, have him as, have him as a second pair guy, put Matt Grizzlick up with Charlie McAvoy. who has been outstanding this year. That's a pretty good looking decor. And, you know, I, I don't know, maybe you can tell me the last team that got through the playoffs with all six D healthy, um, you know, playing them from, you know, game one of the playoffs to the, you know, a Stanley cup final win. Uh, but I would imagine if you're a, a really good team with an entirely healthy decor, um, you know, you're going to go, uh, to the Stanley Cup final because that's that's pretty rare, um, so probably asking too much for the Bruins to have everybody healthy. But if so, their decor looks really good. They just haven't had that though. They've been having to use guys like Connor Clifton and, and Stephen Camp for, um, you know, mm-hmm. guys who are really on the on the fringes of the lineup, and um, results have been mixed to say the least.
2: Tampa Bay might have been pretty close to having everyone healthy, but they also used nine defensemen last year, so it's it sort of shows you the importance of being deep. And obviously, uh, Mike Riley uh, fills you know allows them to be a deeper team whether he's playing on that second or third pairing. But like the Tampa Bay Lightning showed, you need that number one guy, and the Boston Bruins have that in Charlie McAvoy. A lot of people were making Norris predictions for him. I'm not sure it's worked out to that that high of an extent, but he's been a monster for the Bruins, hasn't he? How would you uh, grade his season so far?
3: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash achieve today. I'll, I'll, I'll spoiler alert. He'll be on my ballot. No, he, he won't be the number one guy, but he's, he's a, a guy that every single shift, he affects the game. He's, I don't know if he's ever going to win a Norris just because he's not going to have the power play stats. You know, he's not going to put up, you know, 60 points. Um, if he was in that role, he probably could. But, you know, he's a secondary power play guy, um, not a, you know, not a lights out shooter, um, but a really effective offensive player and a really good puck mover. Um, but for me, it's his skating, his stick, his defense. Um, you know, he's a guy that just takes over every every shift. And, and you can see it. He makes the game easier for Whoever he has next to him, um, I've been really impressed with him. He's he's coming to his own this year, and you know, block shots, rarely misses shifts, plays you know twenty five minutes a night regularly, um, if not twenty eight if they need him. Um, Bruce Cassidy doesn't usually like to run his defenseman that way, but he will with McAvoy because he can handle it. He's a horse, um, so it's just really impressed. Um, some of the passes he makes. Yeah, I'm not sure if those get a lot of spotlight, but, you know, he's that guy that'll throw it across the, you know, across the, the neutral zone, 60 feet, you know, put it on somebody's tape while he's, you know, while he's moving and looking the other way. It's, um, it's impressive. You know, I think guys like Tori Krug, you know, because they're smaller, you know, they, um, you know, and they're kind of known as more offensive guys. They're, you know, they're on the power play. They're in the highlights a little bit more. Um, you know, they get more of the offensive shine. You know, and I love Tory Crew. I, I think he's you know a, a lot of fun to watch. Um, but guys like McAvoy are still really good offensive players too. You know, they just really drive play and and um, you know push the puck in the in a in a positive direction for the Bruins. And um, you know you can see it in the numbers. You know his on ice numbers are, are great. You know they have been for, for several years now. Um, you know I I think maybe people wondered earlier in his career is that just because he's playing with Cedeno Chara, but by the end of his time with Chara last year i mean he was carrying that pair and um you know with his skating and, and his mobility um you know really allowed Chara to you know still be a number one guy uh, number one pair guy um so it, you know we see you know this year whoever's playing with mcavoy is uh is uh, reaping those benefits
2: as we make our way through the lineup here i guess we're uh, arriving at the goaltending situation and uh i've felt some of the heat from a few of the takes that i've seen about the Boston Bruins goaltending situation, but I feel like it's okay to have, you know, a couple things be true. That is, Jeremy Swayman might be something to look forward to in the future, but that this is still Tuukka Rask net when he's available to be in the crease. Are, are those two things both uh, true in your eyes?
3: Yeah, and Swayman's been really impressive. Uh, um he hasn't. He's he's started seven games um, as a first-year pro, and. Has not allowed a bad goal yet. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's there's not one goal that he's allowed, and I think he's allowed 11 it um, He's got a 946 save percentage, I believe. Not one of those goals you could say, "Well, wow, that was the, that was his fault for sure," or "Oh, he misplayed that," or "Well, there's maybe one goal in Philadelphia where he just kind of was a little bit off balance." I mean, that's what are we talking about here? Like, this is a, a, a you know a, a kid who's brand new on the scene. He 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 brings kind of that that energy, you know, that confidence. That you know, I mean, a lot of people talk about Carter Hart when they say, you know, pump the brakes on Jeremy Swayman. I don't know. I mean, whatever he has, <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't. Know. I, I'm not going to sit here and predict goaltending because mm. you know I'll, I'm not a goaltending is or you know as voodoo guy, but um, you know it's certainly hard to predict. You know how a guy's going to you know fare as the league figures him out a little bit more Um, but he's been incredibly impressive and um, partly due to the struggles of Yaroslav Halak and partly due to Halak having COVID um, Mm -hmm. you know Swayman is now their backup goaltender and it's going to be tough with nine games here to go uh, for Halak to find work down the stretch here. Um, That's a little bit surprising. I wouldn't have picked that at the start of the year, but here we are. And that being said, it's still Rask's net. Uh, there's, there's no doubt about that. It, it's just the, the proof of concept is, is just too strong there with Rask. Uh, I don't know why he gets so much crap in this town. I really don't, I don't get it. Uh, I think people, it, it has to go back to the 2013 finals with the two goals in 17 seconds against Chicago. It, it has to be that um, because, you know, like a lot of number one goalies and, you know, who, give up a bad goal here and there um, you know at inopportune times you know he he's it's it's always his fault with some people here and i I don't I don't really understand that because he's been one of the best goalies in the NHL for a decade now and uh, I don't know I, I don't I don't get it <laughs> I'm, I'm not you know I mean that that being said it's like you can criticize him for being injured I don't know having a family problem last year in the bubble I, I don't understand. You know where where the where the hate comes from, but yeah. It, that being said, it's you know it, it's a, it's going to be really interesting how they proceed with their goaltending. You know, with with Rask's contract expiring, with Halak's contract track done after this year, um, you know, it, it, it'll probably be Swayman's net eventually. Uh, but next year is it Rask Swayman? How much are, are each one of them playing? I don't know. So it's uh, more more fun stuff ahead. And yeah, I mean, normal, I think, normal conversations about goaltending in, in Boston, I'm sure. I'm sure everybody will be very level-headed
2: about it. Yeah, they'll, they'll all be measured. But yeah, you're right. I think that is uh, probably one of the bigger things when talking about the Bruins' future is what's going to happen in net this summer. Um, just a couple more for you. Uh, so I mentioned off the top that the Bruins have been basically transplanted into a new division, uh, one that includes basically the entire Metropolitan Division from a normal year with Philly, New York, Long Island, Pittsburgh, Washington – I wonder, from a business standpoint, from a fan's point of view, is this a better division for Boston to be playing these sort of eastern rivals, I guess? Or is is life better where the Leafs, the Habs, the Senators, the Lightning are are their main rivals?
3: Yeah, I don't know why anybody would want to not see the Leafs every year, you know, or not see the, the Canadians every year. I mean, that's... The Senators, okay, but... I mean, if you're Boston, you have to play Montreal and Toronto every year. You just do. It's, I don't see how you can't. And and same with the Rangers. Um, You know, I'm not a huge, uh, I don't get excited to watch the Islanders, uh, you know, although they've been a little more exciting this year than than in years past, but, um, you know, or the Devils for that matter, even though they're kind of spicy at times. Um, But I I think the most important thing is you got to keep Toronto, I mean, Toronto. You have to keep Tampa and and um, and Florida on the schedule because we need our trips to Florida in the in the wintertime. <laughs> yeah. You have to think of the beat riders here. You know, you, you can't just, uh, you know. It, but I, I think uh, I think anybody would want to vote for, you know, players and, and coaches and everybody else to management, you know, they would they would vote for those trips as well. So mm. I'm hoping it goes back to the the way it used to be. I, I want to, uh, I, I definitely want to get back to, uh, you know. Montreal and and enjoy my time there and and experience the joy of Toronto and uh obviously those December and March trips to Florida as well
2: yeah I didn't think about uh you know the the sun when I was uh formulating that question but you do make a pretty good point um but this year they'll have to go through mostly metro division teams uh to get to the third round if they're going to make it there um, if you had to hand-pick from a Bruins perspective, if you're management, if you're one of the players, if you're fans, who would the Bruins want to avoid in terms of matchups, and who would be maybe the team that they'd like to face in the first round by the way things have uh, shaken down in the in the uh, East division this year?
3: I would say at this point, Pittsburgh, because you know, they're going to get Malkin back, and Jeff Carter, I mean, he, he looked great to me the other night. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, obviously, I don't watch too many Kings games. Um, but you know, he looks like a totally different guy. Um, so when you think about Crosby Malkin and a reju- rejuvenated Carter, uh, that's, that's pretty good. They got some other guys too. Um, so, you know, they've been getting goaltending of late too. So that's, you know, was kind of the, I would think the, the problem with them, you know, are they going to get enough saves? Um, so they're looking like a tough out to me right now. Uh, you know, you'd say Washington, but I think the Bruins kind of feel like they can play them. You know, it's, it's going to be a physical war. I think they think they can win that series. I think the, the tougher issue with, with playing the capitals is playing the next series because of, you know, how banged up you're going to be. Mm. Um, from a, from an entertainment standpoint, I'd love to see the Bruins capitals. I think it would be, you know, a lot of fun, the char factor, the Tom Wilson factor. You know, there's a lot of hatred between those two teams at this point. Um, you know, the Islanders are, I think, the most frustrating uh, opponent, probably, you know, for the, for the Bruins. It's just they seem to get in front of every single shot. And, um, you know, then Barzell, uh, you know, burns them for a breakaway. So um, those, I think, you know, and, and I'm discounting the Rangers. Uh, you know, I don't really put them in that category, but, you know, maybe they surprise. Uh, Bruins played them well, though. So I think, uh, I think the Penguins are probably the toughest out at this point.
2: It's interesting. I think they've come out of nowhere to be uh, a force in that division. Uh, it's, it is quite the division. I mean, I don't know if the, the elite teams are in that division, um, but all of the teams that are going to be involved at in the postseason are so evenly matched. And that's probably going to make them uh, the appointment viewing when we do get to the playoffs. Uh, last one, um, the expansion draft. I mean, we've skirted around the idea a little bit, but is there one player who seems most vulnerable um, for the Seattle Kraken when we do get to that point after the season?
3: Yeah, it's, I, I think the trade deadline really solidified. I think the Bruins plans, you know, if they had picked up, you know, an Ekholm, um, you know, they'd be looking at a, an eight one or a four four one because you have to protect, um, you know, you, you got to keep Grizzly, Carlo, McAvoy. Those are your guys, uh, Carlo, Carlo will be an RFA. So, um, you know, you'll, you got to protect him, them and, then, you know, obviously bring an echo and you're not going to leave him unprotected. Mm -hmm. So, but now I think they're looking at the seven, three, one and, and those three D that I mentioned, the goaltending is easy. Both your veterans are on expiring contracts. Wayman's a first year pro. So he's you know not eligible. And then Dan Vladar would be your, your, uh, you know, your, your guy that you protect. Mm -hmm. Um, And they have a taxi squad guy. They, they leave exposed. So the forwards, um, Coil Bergeron, Marchand, all with no-move clauses, so that's three automatically. Uh, David Pasternak is David Pasternak, so he's going nowhere. And, you know, then you start to, to, to figure out what you're going to do. Krejci expiring deal, so you don't have to do anything with him. Uh, Craig Smith, he's worth protecting at $3.1 million per. Um, you know, I, I definitely lock him up. Paul, we've talked about expiring deal. Um, you know, so then you're looking at DeBrusque, or Nick Ritchie, uh, Trent Frederick is another guy that they really like. They think his, you know, he's not a future top six center, but you know, maybe he could be a third line center at his ceiling. Um, really physical, tough to play against, um, some, some offensive upside with him, maybe not a ton, but you know, if he plays, if he plays the way they think he can play and really annoy people and, you know, chip in 30 points a year, it's probably a guy worth protecting. Um, so I would say the most vulnerable candidates are, um, you know, if we're not talking about defensemen, like a Connor Clifton, who's on a really cheap, you know, $1 million deal, um, Anders Bjork, before he got traded to Buffalo, he would have been a, a candidate, but now I think it's, uh, looking at Richie, who's an RFA making about 1.5. So you look at a guy who has played pretty well, got some power play goals as a net front guy, shown some decent hands. He's not a fast skater, but, you know, with his size, he doesn't necessarily have to be. Uh, If Seattle's looking for that element, I I could see Ron Francis, you know, taking a, uh, you know, a jump at, uh, at Nick Ritchie. If they leave Nebraska unprotected, you know, you bet on that potential I would think Uh, he's on a deal that's um, it's 3.8 or 3.7 around there. Um, You know, on a two year deal starting this, this uh, year. So he'll have, you know, be a little bit uh, cost-controlled, so to speak. You know, do you bet on that potential? That's a player that the Bruins thought could be a Taylor Hall. You know, could be a pace-pushing, you know, forechecking demon who scores 35 to 40 a year. You know, obviously has not been that. But the ceiling is certainly high for him, Um, especially, you know, given you look at his history, he's been a guy where when he's been dropped in the lineup or or healthy scratched or whatever, um, you know, he comes back Playing really hard and playing really well, so change of scenery candidate. Uh, I could see that. So I, I would say Richie DeBrusque, uh, You know, they better at least explore. Um, you know, the real estate market in the Seattle area.
2: <laughs> I'm almost. Uh, I'm almost intimidated by the expansion draft because we tried to prepare for it. I think it was four seasons ago, and nothing that anyone expected to happen <laughs> happened. So. Trying to predict which teams are going to lose what is, it just feels like a mistake I should not make a second time. But before I let you go, you mentioned that you missed going to Toronto. I think that absence is making the heart grow fonder with everyone involved in the Montreal-Toronto, or the uh, Boston-Toronto rivalry, rather. Because you you know it's been over 500 days since Boston and Toronto played a hockey game? Like, that is just, wow. it's just—it's—it's wrong. And, and wow. it's, I can't wait for the time uh, when we can get back to Boston playing Toronto, because that is one of the best rivalries and maybe it happens this year. Maybe it doesn't, but it's going to happen sooner than later. Just might be, you know, 600 days between them, which is pretty crazy.
3: Absolutely. Could you imagine Boston, Toronto in the Stanley cup final? Like it, it's, it could happen. It could, it could
2: only, it'll only, it could only happen once. And if it's ever going to happen, it'll be this summer, which would be pretty nuts. That'd be pretty cool. Sure would. Anyway, Matt, uh, it was a lot of fun. I appreciate your time. Uh, I appreciate, uh, you quickly dusting off any you know sweat from your ride today and, and joining us uh, and getting that shot figured out. It was a lot of fun talking to you, uh, and maybe we can do it again down the road.
3: Uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, maybe uh, deep in some playoff run. Maybe if the Bruins get there, we'll, uh, we'll make it happen, man. Appreciate that. And time. if it is
2: Boston, if it is Toronto and Boston, then we're gonna have to do it. No doubt. All right, man. Thanks again.
3: All right, see ya.